This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Before we came on air, I spoke with regular Bottom Line contributor, economist Jim Powers. I was keen to get his take on events in Russia and Ukraine and how he felt they would impact us. Here's our conversation. Jim, before we get into talking about the elephant in the room, or rather the bear in the room, the Ukraine crisis, can you uh, talk to us a bit about the uh, economic data that was released on Friday uh, and the story that it tells about the Irish economy before this terrible event took place? Uh, Yeah, John, on Friday we got the final GDP and economic growth numbers for 2021 And um, they showed that if you measure economic activity using gross domestic product, which is the total value of goods and services produced in an economy, it expanded by 13.5%, which would make Ireland by far the fastest growing economy in the world last year. Um, However, as is always the case with Irish economic statistics, you need to delve beneath the statistics to find out exactly what's going on. Gross domestic product in an Irish context is grossly exaggerated in terms of its real meaning because of the presence of multinationals in the country, the impact that has on the repatriation of profits every year. And indeed, last year, the multinational sector sent out a net 110 billion euro out of the country in profit repatriation. That was by far the highest level of outflow we've ever seen. And that's indicative of how well the multinational sector is performing. But you also need to strip out um, these, what we call intangible assets, like intellectual property rights. And we've seen over the last four or five years, a few multinationals bring in intellectual property assets into Ireland for tax reasons. They have to be included in GDP and they grossly exaggerate the situation. So if you strip all of that stuff out, which the CSO tries to do, it comes up with a measure called modified domestic demand. And basically, modified domestic demand tries to capture, number one, what consumers are doing, number two, what the government is doing in terms of spending and taxation, and number three, um, the investment that's happening in the economy, um, stripping out this nebulous multinational activity. And that measure of economic activity called modified domestic demand expanded by 6.5% last year. And that was pretty much in the middle of the EU growth performance. And I think for most of us operating on the ground in the real economy, 6.5% growth last year describes pretty well where we're at. Mm. It's a good performance, but nothing like as dramatic as the stats would suggest. The other um, interesting statistic that was published in the last week uh, and I've, I've said this to you many times in the past, that I believe if you really want to understand what's happening on the ground in the economy, look at tax revenues, because there is no greater indicator of economic activity than the tax that's being paid. And we got tax data for the first two months of the year, and it continues on the very strong trend we saw last year. Um, overall tax revenues, $10 billion, 20% ahead of last year. That's $1.7 wow. billion income tax is absolutely flying you know it's up 16.8 percent 4.7 billion um, collected and that's indicative really of the buoyancy of the labor market at the moment Mm. and um, for many employers out there i think 
um, it would resonate with them the fact that one of the biggest challenges now is recruiting, retaining and paying for workers. You know, um, the, the other, I guess, piece of the CSO data that was published on Friday, uh, for the first time they included what they call compensation of employees. That's basically what employee compensation last year, and it grew by 8.1%. Yeah, there is the sense, though, that um, that was then and this is now, because presumably all this relates to before Vladimir Putin rolled his tanks into the Ukraine, and we're dealing with a, a whole different ball game, uh, for want of a better description now, presumably. It's going to have huge economic ramifications. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's quite amazing. <clears throat> um, anytime I've spoken to you over the last couple of years, you know, COVID-19 has dominated our discussion, really. Mm. Um, and we thought then, coming into this year with the Omicron variant, um, you know, losing its effectiveness as a as a serious driver of illness, um, we were going to return to normality. And suddenly, over the last couple of weeks, the Ukrainian situation um, has imploded and we're seeing, um, you know, a pretty savage invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Um, and it's given the loss of life, given the humanitarian tragedy this is, um, it's, you know, it's, one feels a bit uncomfortable talking about the economics of it. But, you know, I guess we have to because, you know, well, it's life, people's livelihoods. And, and yes. But it is an economic war as well, isn't uh, it? Because it is, it, it, is, yeah. it, is, it is an economic war. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, the, the, the three key things I see coming out of this, okay, at the moment, one is, the impact on inflation. And um, as you know, over the last six months, inflation has been picking up dramatically all around the world, and it's largely the legacy impact of COVID, supply shortages in many areas, very strong demand as economies are reopening and prices are moving in an upward direction. We sort of felt that as we progressed through 2022, those distortions would gradually iron themselves out and inflation would come back down but suddenly we've been hit with the Ukrainian shock and um, there's a number of areas where uh, that Ukrainian situation you know is is going to impact Mm. one is in food prices I mean Ukraine particularly but Russia also are major suppliers of wheat sunflower seeds and so on so, um, Something off the order of 30% of the worldwide supply. Indeed, ab- absolutely, yeah. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty dramatic stuff. I mean, Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world in some ways. So, um, and, and okay, to date, there's not sanctions on that trade, okay, per se. But, uh, you know, that the Black Sea ports, for example, that the grain gets shipped out of, you know, they're under attack at the moment. So there's that issue, but there's also the longer-term issue of the farmers growing the grain um, and the sunflower. They are currently, um, many of them in the cities, fighting to defend Ukraine against the Russian aggressor. aggressor. So obviously um, planting crops isn't top of their mind. So that that's a huge problem, and I think you are going to see that feeding into significantly higher uh, food price inflation. A second area is potash, um, which is a major ingredient in fertilizer for growing crops. And, uh, you know, we import a lot of it into this country. Um, In the last 12 months, the cost of fertilizer for farmers had gone up dramatically. 
um, it's now going to get another serious jolt from this potash problem. Mm. So that increases the cost of food production and you would have thought food prices ultimately. And the third area, and I guess the most obvious one, is energy. Um, Russia supplies um, over 30% of um, oil to Europe. Um, it supplies, I think, about 40% of um, natural gas. Okay, Ireland doesn't buy natural gas directly from Russia, uh, but clearly with natural gas prices currently trading at the highest level ever, up nearly 90% in this time last year. Likewise, we saw oil prices this week hit $120 a barrel, and we've seen petrol at the pumps hit the two euro level, at least here in Dublin, I saw it the other day. Mm. So... Um, that, that that is just going to feed into the inflation problem as well. And it's a possibility that the West may decide to stop buying um, its gas and oil or so much gas and oil from Russia because that would really hit Russia very hard. But then we're into a whole different order of Well, we are. And this is the economic war piece of this. I mean, the, the reaction of the West to date has been primarily via economic sanctions. Um, I've always been sceptical, I have to say, about the potential impact of those because... Um, and maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, but I believe the Chinese will step in and they will help the Russian financial system operate. They will ultimately buy um, Russian gas as well. And there there have been negotiations going on for some time about building a pipeline from Russia to China. And um, with Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany um, put on hold uh, before the invasion really happened last week um there is a distinct possibility now that uh, china will accelerate that project so china will provide a bit of a safety valve for russia mm. so that's what really worries me actually is the um the role that china plays in all of this and with they've, russia. they've largely sat on the fence today really haven't they? Uh, they they have indeed well you'd have to say their bias has been towards supporting Russia. and mm. uh, They certainly haven't criticised Russia. And there was a view out there that the Chinese are a bit shocked by what's going on at the moment. Uh, I don't believe they are. I mean, there is a story that I believe that the Chinese asked the Russians to postpone the um, invasion of Ukraine until the Winter Olympics were out of the way. Uh, so I, I would be very concerned about the China-Russia axis at this stage. So, you know, so in other words, what I'm saying is I'm just not convinced. I could be wrong, but I'm not convinced that these economic sanctions will ultimately have the disastrous impact on Russia that many expect. And China could become the major trading partner of Russia's. Um, That's a problem. That being said, Jim, um, has this level of sanctions been applied to a a country before? And like, what are the side effects um, and how far can they go? And I suppose also in your view, is it unprecedented that, you know, you have people like Apple and so on stopping to deal with uh, with Russian and not selling their goods there? Will will that make an impact, do you think? Or is this all just window dressing? Uh, No, it, it, it will. I mean, the sanctions are very significant. I don't believe there was ever this level of sanction imposed across a broad range um, it's you know it's hitting their banking sector it's hitting consumer goods and a developed economy as well they're, they're not Iraq or they're no, not no, they're Iran not, no, no. It's, yeah. it's, it's a developed economy and I, I think the you know the West are hoping the West is hoping that you know when the citizens of Russia find they can't be buying their Apple phones that 
all of the stuff that you know in a modern developed economy you you take for granted suddenly is not available mm. um that basically that will create serious tensions within Russia which ultimately would lead to the disposal of Putin mm. um that i think is the hope likewise with the russian financial system um with russia being removed from the swift payment system for example it's going to be very difficult for russia to pay for stuff and um but I, I i would still wait to see will they find alternatives i can't believe actually that putin would not have um thought about and planned for the all of these eventualities because he must have known that if he went into ukraine and did what he's doing basically murdering the population that there would be significant sanctions put in place to deal with that. Mm. and um, But they say that war plans go out the window as soon as you fired the first shot. Ask the Americans who went into Iraq or Afghanistan thinking they were going to have a short, sharp conflict, I suppose. Uh, well, in, indeed, but um, I, I think I think what we're only seeing now in the last couple of days, I, I have to say I was sceptical earlier in the week when there was a lot of joy being taken by people at the obvious... Um, distress of the Russians in Ukraine, you know, tanks running out of diesel, etc. Um, but uh, I, I I kind of find it hard to believe that the Russians, you know, they sent in the weak part of, the, of their forces first, and now we increasingly see the stronger forces, the more professional mm. army coming in to really do damage. And, you know, there is a view that Putin had planned a 15-day war, and uh, that remains, you know, on track, yeah. that o- over the next week he could do absolutely um, create devastation yeah. in Ukraine and end this war, but, but, and then ultimately put a Russian government in place. Uh, but then that does pose a huge long-term challenge because um, you could see Ukraine then being subjected to civil war Oh and uprising for what, years to come. Jim, when we Total spoke, mess. yeah, when we spoke last on the program, I, I think it's fair to say we were fairly optimistic for for the Irish economy for the rest of the year. We were couldn't really believe we were coming towards the end of the whole COVID scenario. We'd weathered that reasonably well, as those uh, GDP figures have shown. What's your outlook for the Irish economy and people running businesses at the moment, and people worried about, you know, how their jobs are going to go? Like, what what are you thinking for the rest of twenty twenty two? Well. The momentum is still incredibly strong, okay? Um, the, the, the challenges will be now that um, the cost of living and inflation is going to rise a lot further, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see an inflation rate in excess of 10% over the next three or four That's months. That's eye-popping, really, isn't it? It is eye-popping. Um, and, and that, of course, is totally contingent on uh, the Ukrainian war situation, and God only knows what might happen there. I mean, we can only surmise at this juncture, but the, the cost of living is going to rise dramatically. You know, that, that is going to undermine consumer purchasing power and it will do some damage to the economy. Uh, but notwithstanding all of this uncertainty at the moment, um, I still think the Irish economy will deliver a decent performance this year, not least because the multinational sector, I think, will play an even more important role in our economy. Finally, uh, Jim, just on the whole GDP thing, the thought occurs, as far as I, I, as I recall, aircraft leasing is kind of included in GDP figures. And, and what I understand is that there's a huge exposure among Irish-based aircraft leasing um, f- 
companies to, to Russian jets who were grounded, barred from our airspace and who may not pay. Is that significant for GDP in Ireland at all? Uh, it's significant for GDP, but it's not that significant for that modified domestic demand. And right. Aircraft leasing is one of the areas of activity that distorts GDP because when those planes are bought and Ireland controls something like more than 50% of global aircraft leasing, um, but most of those planes never set wheel in Ireland. Yeah. You know, so they become part of our GDP because they are bought by Irish aircraft leasers and are then leased out. Um, so it's it's potentially will do serious damage to the aircraft leasing industry. But in terms of the shock to the Irish economy per se, I think it'd be pretty limited, to be honest. Right, yeah, well, that's reassuring. But I suppose, as you said at the outset, important that we keep in perspective that this is first and foremost a, a human tragedy and there are millions of people living under the shadow of an awful war at the moment. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a friend who's Ukrainian and uh, he was thinking about going home before Christmas, and he was terrified about going home in case the invasion would happen while he was there. But he went home and said things were pretty normal. Uh, he came back, and, um, you know, he's in a pr- pretty devastated, I think, over the last couple of weeks. Can't believe what's happening, because there was still a sense that it just wouldn't happen at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but when you're dealing with somebody like Putin, you know, there can be no predictability here it's terrible unfortunately well Jim thanks for joining us on this uh, rather sober uh, edition of The Bottom Line Um, but thanks as always and stay safe and we'll talk to you soon thank you very much John my pleasure The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice www.onf.ie